0: Hey everybody, this is Mike Lepon from Symphony X and Mike Lepon's Silent Assassins and you're listening to Focus on Metal.
1: Hey, metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to your weekly dose of Focus on Metal. Can you believe that by next week, we will be into May, and as each month passes by, we still continue to wonder when we're going to get back to uh, any sense of normalcy. You know, back in February, when things started to shut down and, you know, into March and stuff, I really had hope that, as we were going into May, that maybe we'd have something back, but, you know, concert after concert's getting canceled and uh Definitely uh, feeling it as, uh, you know, this week's guest, Mike LePond, when uh, when we interviewed him, they hadn't quite canceled out the tour yet. But since that time, they've had to go back and reschedule everything. And I'm hoping that when we come out to the other side of this and we see those rescheduled dates that uh, we will still be seeing Primal Fear on the bill with Symphony X. That was definitely a show that I was really looking forward to uh, going and seeing in May. Had great kick-ass seats, and I was looking for a good night out. And uh, yeah, that is not going to come to pass. And you know, I was hoping. You know, Mike. Mike seemed a little bit um, you know hopeful about things when Richie was interviewing him. Didn't want to quite put a flag in the ground yet. But uh, yeah, it is definitely a bummer as uh, you know, as the months go by, they keep canceling show after show. And if you're wondering about how things might look on the other side, then I would definitely urge you to either go up to our website at FocusOnMetal.net or go over to iTunes, and there is a special episode we put up a few weekends ago. I called it Concert Killer, and it is an interview with uh, industry insider Dean Budnick, and Richie really probes into uh, his views, thoughts, and insider scope of things of how the industry may look As we come out of this, hopefully in the summer or fall, and they also go into a little bit about you know where the money flows and all that and the refund situation, and so it's a really good episode. If you're uh, if you're wondering about any of that stuff, then definitely go and listen to that special one again. We called it "Concert Killer." Available up at iTunes or over at our main website, focusonmetal.net. Just another one of these bonus episodes we've been trying to uh, put out over the weekend for people that have been quarantined and they're looking for a little bit more metal content. And uh, so we're, we're just trying to help out however we can. And that's one small way that Focus on Metal can contribute back to the metal community and back to those folks who've listened to us for uh, for 11 years now. And we will hear uh, that Mike LaPont interview later on in the show. But first up this week, Richie had a chat with Eric Peterson from Testament. And over the years, uh, we've had several folks from Testament on the show. Never had Eric on, but it's very good timing because uh, on April 3rd, The band had released their brand new one, Titans of Creation. And I definitely went whole hog on this one and got a whole bundle with the vinyl and all that good stuff. Uh, I really, I just, I really love, uh, I really love Testament album after album. They've never disappointed me. And of course, Eric's been there right from the beginning, right from 1983, playing guitar, laying down riffs. Uh, We are very happy to have him on the show. And unfortunately, you know, Testament's been going through a little bit of a hard time uh, in regards to uh, COVID 19. Where you know a lot of you, if you follow the metal news, you know Will Carroll of uh, Exodus, who just got off the uh, Bay Strikes Back tour with Testament, uh, in the hospital for a long time. Uh, he is uh, he's out finally. And uh, slowly making his way back. But also, uh, you know, Chuck Billy has tested positive and Steve DiGiorgio has as well. So as of the day that I'm mixing this episode, yeah, two folks from Testament uh, positive for uh, COVID-19. So with Testament's 13th studio album live and on the streets, why don't we listen to Eric Peterson and Richie talk all about it? Uh, Is that Eric?
2: Yeah, this is Eric.
3: Hey, Eric, it's Richie from Focus on Metal for the interview. Everything all right? Yeah. Okay.
2: It's great. How are you doing? I'm
3: all right. Um, so the first question I normally ask all the guitar players, Eric, um, how many guitars do you have in your house?
2: Oh, quite a few.
3: <laughs> okay. You a collector? I'm sorry? Are you a collector?
2: Um, yes and no. I mean, I... I don't live to collect guitars. Okay. Um, but I, I have I have a lot of guitars, I guess.
3: Do you have a favorite?
2: Um, I have a few. I mean, it depends on the mood I'm in. Um, I have a lot of uh, older guitars. Um, I have a 1964 Country Western Gibson, which is, I guess they changed it to the Hummingbird. But it's super old and it's got really, really good actions. So, fun guitar to play. Um, some of my older Deans that I have are, are, are pretty cool. I got some uh, some early 80 ones. Okay. Um, yeah, I have this Yamaha. It's like an SG style guitar. I forgot the the number of it. Um, it's a very rare one. In fact, they put it out like one year. Um, and. I got that in Japan. I found that in a guitar shop in Japan. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've got some Les Pauls and old fenders, stuff like that. It's just, it depends on the mood, I guess.
3: Hmm. How, how many of those would you bring on the road with you? Or do you leave at home? You just want to
2: make sure that they stay safe. Yeah. And plus I'm endorsed by Dean. So I represent Dean when I'm on, on, on tour. Okay. Um, which holds up really good on the road too. So that's, you know pretty cool and yeah i mean the other ones yeah you know, i might bust out a les paul every once in a while uh i have a favorite black beauty that i use once in a while but that's kind of rare
3: mm. have you ever gotten rid of a guitar and regretted it afterwards
2: um oh of course yeah <laughs> okay there was there are some times where you know we weren't Tesla wasn't touring as much, and we weren't doing as much, and you know, money was scarce. And, uh, you know, I, I would just turn to my guitars and just be okay, I gotta get rid of this one.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I had some really cool custom BC Riches that I had built from BC Rich before they went out, um, when they were still owned by, you know, the, the family, and, um, beautiful guitarist but i you know i just when you need money you need money you know when times are rough but um yeah i mean that's probably the only thing you know then also when you're younger you don't really think about you know 25 30 40 years later that you know you just oh I'll just get one later but you never do i mean i've I've gotten rid of some some cool guitars i think but yeah, I missed a couple of them, for sure.
3: Yeah. When when you were making the Testament records in the 80s and early 90s, did, did you envision yourself at this age still being in Testament or even making music?
2: You mean now?
3: Yeah. Like, back then, you know, if someone had, had yeah. asked you what you would have been doing at, at the age you are now, would you have said, yeah, I'm going to be still in Testament and I'm still going to be making music? it's
2: um, a good question. I, you know, I, I guess younger Eric probably would have been like, you know, if I would have seen a picture of myself in the band, I would be like, no way. (laughs) Wow. 35 years later. Wow. You know, I mean, I remember when we were around for 10 years, it's, I felt like, man, we've been around forever, but now it's, you know, it's it's, it's been been a while. I still, it's funny because I still... Of course, you know, you get older a little, you know, you feel a little bit different, but for the most part, I, I don't know. I kind of feel the same, you know, still think the same, um, maybe a little bit more wits, but, um, yeah, I mean, I still like, you know, 30 years later, I still listen to Don't Break the Oath and At least in the East. Um. Than I, you know, I still listen to the same records.
3: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. How do you keep the same sound? And, and surely your musical cha- your music would have, would have, you know, would have widened a lot. Your musical taste over the years, you would have gone through all new metal. You would have gone through like the rap metal, and then it, it's kind of come full circle now. But I'm sure you listen to a, a very varied type lo- types of music.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of stick to the stuff that I was really influenced by, um, you know, in my, my youth, uh, especially the like anywhere from 77 to, you know, 83 kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of uh, cold metal coming out, like a whole new generation in Europe, I think, in the early 90s to, to the 2000s, you know, especially Sweden and Norway, black metal bands and... I guess death metal, melodic metal, stuff like that.
4: Hmm.
3: Now, what did you want to do differently on on this record, Titans of Creation? That you from Brotherhood of the Snake? Was there one thing that stands out? Saying, I want to maybe try and write a little bit differently, or what, was
2: there anything at all? You know, I mean. Not really. I mean, it's not like, I'm like, okay, we have to reinvent ourselves. We just, you just try to do the best, um, you know, come up with the best ideas that you can come up with and stuff that you would want to listen to. Um, Testament has got a formula and a sound. Um, you know, we're just trying to just perfect it. You know, we're just searching for that perfect Testament song still. Um, you know, and, on this record, we added in, I guess, a couple of different elements which made it sound a little bit different, more fresher. I think, um, you know, Steve DiGiorgio's bass playing and turning that up more in the mix. Um, I'm singing on a couple parts so with uh, the style that I do in my my side project, Dragonlord. Just a little, you know, hints here and there to flare it up. I think Truck kind of went more back to his higher pitch. Singing, um, you know, rather than the, the gruntal, deaf style. I think he did more of a kind of a wicked style. Mm. I don't know if that's a term, but... <laughs> 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 um, you know, just some of this, you know, screaming at the end of the lines and stuff. Um, Gene's just a monster of drums. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Alex and myself, you know, sharing some of the solo spots. Just getting it all together uh, a little... Bit of a different, you know, essence of, of what we do. Mm. To make it sound that much different, I guess.
3: Yeah. So, and then, so, of
2: course, Andy, not mixing for a while. Andy Sneep, that is. Um, you know, he's been in Judas Priest. Um, I don't know. Maybe him coming back and not having, you know, have mixed a record for a while. And I think he really liked the, the riffs that, you know, he was hearing. So, um, you know, just him putting, his sound on there and just being into it more. I'm sure he's into everything he does, but I'm saying it's just, you know, having some time off.
3: Yeah. So, so Eric, are you someone who writes all the time? And when you do, do you, do you tend to write songs pretty quickly?
2: No, I'm one of those guitar players where I won't play guitar for, you know, a couple months. (laughs) Okay. And just get lost in other things and just start doing stuff. But then when I come back to it, it's, it's very fresh to me. Um, and I'll kind of just evolve quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't played guitar for a while, and I just actually started playing last night. Um, and i was just, like, doing some things I normally don't do. not do and just like, wow, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, we have a little bit of time on our hands right now, so, you know, why not?
4: Yeah. Mm.
3: So you, you probably subscribe to the, what Richie Cotson told me when I mentioned to him about Ryder's Block. He said he doesn't get Ryder's Block because he knows when to walk away and put the guitar down.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I know when to put the guitar down, <laughs> but I, de- I definitely uh, put the guitar down, and, you know, and when I come back to it, it feels fresh.
3: Mm. So, so
2: you know, t- I guess if I get bored playing i don't know there's other things to do um but yeah definitely you know when it's it's a good feeling to not play for a while then and then you know to especially for writing i mean not playing a lot before you go on tour sucks because playing with a band is a whole different animal it's uh it's more like sports you know you're, you you got to get in shape for that hmm. to be able to keep up with gene <laughs>
4: Yeah, you know my right hand
2: is just like, oh my god, I can't how, how in the hell how in the hell do I do this? <laughs> so and I and sometimes I think like, oh my god, I, I can't do this
4: anymore. <laughs> I mean, when
2: I'm at home, I can I'll be shredding and just going, wow, I'm getting really good at solos and you know, I'm uh, feel really comfortable, you know, playing by myself, but if you don't play for a while and then you go to rehearsal and you jam with everybody, it's yeah, you feel like out of shape. Mm. So, you know, it's a good idea to you know maybe play a week before you start rehearsing. This time around, um, I had from I guess from the last few years, I cut my finger, my uh, I guess my my ring finger, they call it, mm-hmm. on my left hand. Um, I cut it cooking. I was cutting some vegetables or something. I cut it like six, seven years ago. The tip of it. And, um, luckily we just got off tour and, you know, kind of healed. And then, but for some reason, the last few years, um, it started, you know, for probably from not playing, I got a callus. And then I was kind of just picking at it and it turned into a wart, which turned into it cracking open, you know, from going on tour. And it just turned into a bloody mess. And I think I went through like, five or six tours with it with it like that Mm. um and then you know this i guess this last december we played nepal and i remember being on stage like showing everybody like it was like gross (laughs) (laughs) so i finally just i went to a dermatologist um and he we burned it off with uh you know the i guess freezing it and that process you know is like a a month you have to wait like a month even you know especially you can't play guitar at all. I mean, it's, you're in a lot of pain for a good two, three weeks. Um, and then it healed, you know, pretty, it looked like a little, a little dot. And I have rehearsals in three weeks and, um, you know, I went, I went there and showed him, he's all, oh, I'm going to have to hit it again. Cause it, it could, the the virus could come back. And I'm like, oh, I got rehearsal in three weeks. He goes, it's going to be right around that time. You know, so they hit it again and, rehearsals you know came up and it still was you know not not doing good so i had to tape my hand up uh and play with you know this big white tape around my finger and a band-aid and all, you know stuff i ended up playing like maybe the first five shows on this last tour with, with with that on there wow but now it's totally fine so i'm glad i did it but it was you know it's totally fine now so that's killer
3: mm. Eric, where does the drive for you come to write and create new music? Because, I, I don't know, there's a lot of, lot, lot of bands from that era now that could probably go out and play greatest hit sets and not release anything new. Like, are, are you a driven person in general anyway, or is it just, you know, you're, you're, it's the it's the band you're in testament that, you know, you really want to make new music with the
2: band? Um, I guess it's maybe a little bit of both, you know, You know, like I said earlier, I'm just more searching for, you know, a song that I want to hear. I guess you know, for metal, Hmm. Um, I'm a a fan of of this kind of music, so I'm just searching for that, you know, perfect metal song. I guess you know, Hmm. heavy, catchy. um, You'd all hear stuff, and I'm like, ah, it's cool, but you know, should be more like this (laughs) or. stuff like that I mean even like with the Dragon War, it's just I'm just searching for you know that the, the kind of black metal that I'd like to hear yeah, you know, melodic and, and whatnot so yeah I mean it's a lot of fun I mean it's one thing that I, that I like doing a lot is creating music
3: yeah do, do you find it difficult then to let songs go when they're done because you're probably thinking I can, you can always improve on it
4: mm. Not
2: really. Um, I guess when it's ready to go. I mean, I guess the hardest thing would be is me really liking something, and then the rest of the guys don't like it. Um, that's happened a couple times, and then later, you know, like you know, like a year or two later, I'll, I'll listen to it and go, "Yeah, I guess they're right." You know, that was that parts kind of weird.
3: <laughs> so when it comes to Alex doing the solos on the record, do, do you offer any input into how he does them at all, or do you just let him be?
2: Um, well, this last record, yeah, and usually he comes, um, this whole well, particular, this last record, um, I sat with him while he did the solos, and just, you know, made sure that he, I mean, Alex is going to, is going to be amazing no matter, you know, if I'm there or not, but, this time around, I guess my influences would be just, you know, knowing how killer he does the solos and just reminding him, just like, you know, you already did that click,
4: <laughs> mm.
2: you know, pushing, pushing him, you know, maybe, maybe he just snarled at me a couple of times, but at the end of the day, we're just trying to make a good record. So
3: mm. how does he push you as a guitar player?
2: Um, As he push me as a guitar player, he'll just remind me, you know, like maybe I'll do, I'll be off by a note on a a run or a scale I'm doing. He'll show me a different way to do it or something like that. Or but most most of the time he's you know seems to like what I what I come up with. I mean, as far as we both have rips, we'll Mm. you know show you know not show but you know suggest something and you know we'll take it and. Analyze it and trip on it and see if it, if it works. That's one thing that we both do is we definitely, if we suggest something, we'll try it. Okay. You know, you can't just go no, I don't want to do that.
3: Does he? So I think. Does he come in with ideas now that a lot of the times that like you'd never come up with?
2: Um, yeah, we both are different players, so you know, his stuff's a little bit more naughty and complicated like when he shows me something i'll be like what <laughs> why why all that
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know I, I'm, there's a couple of me he had some some riffs and then I'm, he was like this is the verse i'm like why would you want to do all that when you sing and like i go well i mean it's for what i meant was why do we have to be that busy and no one's gonna know what we're doing <laughs>
4: you know? yeah yeah
2: um he simplified a couple of things that they I forgot what song it was. There was a, I think it was on symptoms. There was a part and it was just some crazy, you know, like why am I going to, you know, why are you going to make, make me play that when it's going to be, they're going to be listening to check.
3: <laughs> so you have to rein them in, in other words, sometimes.
2: Eh, not really. Just, just, just giving you an example of what one song was, most of the time it's all good. Hmm. And then stuff that I think that I write is simple. And he'll just go, he'll be like, what? Like, that's what, you know, trippy timing. Like, but, you know, and then he'll explain to me what the timing is. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. I mean, he's more of a thinking man. I mean, he's schooled in that in that sense. To hmm. me, I'm just, it's more ear the, the way I hear it, you know, more listening.
4: Yeah.
3: So, so... so so what what was the first song written for this record? And and do you actually revisit ideas that you've done on past records?
2: Uh, I'm trying to move forward. I don't really go backwards. Sometimes if I hear something, I'm like, oh, that sounds like this. Or, um, you know, and then I'll, I'll just get rid of it right away. Like someone will go, oh, that sounds, you know, I think she pointed that out a couple of times. Oh, that's. That's that song, and I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, because you know, I you have a certain formula, and it's hard to. I mean, I'm working with you know, for the most part, I'm working with four chords. Um, you know, there's other stuff we do too, but you know, the basis of you know the the chemistry, the blueprint, you'd call it, I guess. You know, we use E, G, A, and A sharp a lot A lot (laughs) Mm. You'd be surprised on all, you know, the songs And then what you can do with those notes Um, the way you phrase them So, um Yeah, I think it's just, uh Wait, what was the question? (laughs) I got lost there
3: (laughs) No, it's, it's like, what was the first song written for this record?
2: Oh, okay, sorry Um Yeah, what was the first song written? Um, probably "Children of the Next Level." Okay. Um, maybe not the whole song, but just the some of the the beginning. It was a riff that I found on my phone. Um, when I was warming up, you know, before I go on stage, I would just sometimes uh, record what I'm doing, and I. You know, when I was so good through my phone, I've seen a lot of black pictures. So it's like, okay, I know what that means. That means I turn my video on and my phone upside down and just play it. So I just listened through the first one. I heard that riff, and I was like, oh, yeah. It's kind of a cool riff. So I kind of finished it, and uh, I think False Prophet was the next one. Okay. And I, uh, started, started coming in and after that.
3: Have you ever brought in a song? And once the band have got hold of it, they've brought it somewhere completely different than where you envisioned it in the first
2: place. Not really. I mean, a lot of the stuff, when I put it together, um, kind of have it all thought out in my head, mm. you know, with the drums and everything. And then Jim will show up and explain to them what's going on. We'll lay it down. Um, and then we'll bust around with it and arrange different. But
3: for the most part, I mean, it's kind of good to go when I remember a song. Okay. So, Eric, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Uh, it's the 30th anniversary of Souls of Black. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that record now? Because I, I know at the time it was rushed to get you out on, on the Clash of the Titans tour. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, do you feel the same way now about that record than you did back then?
2: Um. One thing I'd like to just accept this I mean, I'd love to get the more modern, intimate sound, like our last, you know, slow and slow. I guess. Loads all the way up to now, our our records have sounded. I don't want to say normal, but there's not this weird frequency, you know. Especially on the guitars, there's just this I don't know what's going on. Um. Now we take more note, you know, we're very,
4: I mean, but Jamie too, I mean, he's
2: a guitar player, so, you know, same, same school, you know, he he does exactly what to do. And I think at one point I was just like, okay, what's going on? You know, what, I, I remember, you know, in the older days, just getting tone and me, always kind of going, it's not really what I want, When he said, at the time the producer who wasn't a musician was like, oh we'll fix it in the mix.
4: <coughs> that was a term back then in the eighties.
1: Mm.
2: We'll you know, that means they gotta start DQ everything. You don't want it DQ that anything. Yeah. You want it to sound really, really good with no DQ, and if you have to, then you're gonna make a sound that much better but you know, you can't there's that turn you can't polish a turn, you know. Mm. still a turd. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 yeah, I, mean, I guess that's what we learned—is you know to do it right the first time, yeah, or get it to sound right the first time, I guess.
3: Mm. I'm actually a big fan of the ritual. The album after—I don't think a lot of you guys are, especially big fans of that because of the the pace of the record. I think a lot of your trash, trashier stuff got left off that album.
2: Yeah, it's, it's still a good record. You know, it's it just seemed us trying to be, you know, a little bit more hard rock, I guess. Yeah. And we had put out, looking after looking, from the legacy up to the original, we, we were putting out a record every year and touring. Hmm. So I think at that point, we were kind of burnt out on, you know, using the thrash feed and playing rain um, At least, I mean, I, I wasn't, but with, 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 with Alex and, and Lou... I think they're just, you know, just the chemistry of and like that wasn't there anymore.
4: Yeah. Um, so, you know, this
2: sort other of chemistry w- was, and, you know, it was
4: fun. Hmm.
2: And it was the first, per- it was, I think we switched it up. Um, we worked with the uh, Nigel green Tony Platt, um, you know, renowned producers, and it was kind of the first time that we got, like, a, a really, really good mix
3: mm mm So, yeah. so final question maybe for me. A bit,
2: Sorry. Go maybe ahead. Maybe a little. Maybe, maybe a little bit too much reverb, but um, definitely started heading in a more modern direction. I guess.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's a killer sounding record. Really, really heavy.
2: Yeah. Um, That's a good record.
3: Yeah. So, so, final question before I leave you go. If someone was to ask you the, the underrated Testament record, which one would you pick? Hmm. I'm going to go with The Gathering. I think that's really ki- I think that's killer. Yeah.
2: I think it's a killer record. Um, I mean, it's been a while now but that record really brought us back to life. It gave us our second, second chance, I think. Mm. Um, we toured on that record for about eight years without putting out another record. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get talked about that much anymore but I mean, to the fans um, that's one of their
3: favorite records
4: that's a record that a lot
3: of people bring up so hmm. so a song from the back catalogue that you'd love to bring back if you were to if you were to pick the set and a song that you very rarely played or never played live is there one that stands out that you'd love to play again hmm.
2: um, yeah, I mean it's a bunch of them that I always want to play that we just seems like nah. Um, I mean, we played before; they went over really, really good. Um, I don't know I'd love to play Seven Days in Babylon. That was it was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, from Souls of Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great song. Yeah, that's a great song. So, Eric, I know you got a lot of more interviews to do. So, do you, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band?
2: Uh, well, you can check out my Instagram page. It's for Official Instagram. And Testament uh, Official Instagram and Facebook. Check it out. And um, we have a new website getting designed right now. So that's um, Testament Legion. And that should be up in a couple of days. And you should be able to order some uh, album t-shirts with new record and some mm. some things as well getting up. And um, yeah,
4: that it.
2: that's about mm. it. Out. Check it out; it's uh, it's killer.
3: <laughs> it's killer. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's killer. <laughs> it is. It's it's killer. So, Eric, I'll leave you go. It's it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've been a fan since '86, so finally get to speak to you. So, have a good rest of the All day, right. and hopefully, I'll see you on. You. Hopefully, I'll see you on the road.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, as soon as all this settles, we will uh, we will be back out there.
3: Sure. All right, Eric. Take care. All
2: right.
1: All right. Take, take care. Bye. Bye. There you go. Richie's chat with Eric Peterson of Testament. Yeah. Again, another another canceled or postponed tour. Really a bummer because uh, next week they we would have been playing uh, right down here in Boston at the House of Blues on the ninth. But that. Uh, Yeah, that is definitely not happening. But when we break out of all this and you want to keep track of Testament and tour dates and all that good stuff, you want to make your way to TestamentLegions.com. And if you want to get yourself your own copy of Titans of Creation, then uh, probably the best place to do that is go to your, uh, your regional version of the Nuclear Blast website. So, you know, Nuclear Blast US or EU or wherever you're at. And they've got all kinds of versions of Titans up there. You can get the jewel case. You can get the box set like I did. They've got some vinyl in different editions. So, uh, you know, they got like an air edition and a fire edition, all that. You can get the digipack as well. There's a picture disc version of it. You got it on silver vinyl. You know, the usual thing where, uh, you know, Nuclear Blast does a great job with uh, packaging up and bundling and make uh, making us metalheads want to buy it. In fact, they still even have some of the box sets of the um, Brotherhood of the Snake, the prior release, also available. So if you want that, they've got that one still up there as well and lots of other cool testament stuff that uh that you can get in fact when i got the titans one they actually did just release live at the fillmore disc as well and i figured i have to get that because come on you know testament in their hometown playing the fillmore i gotta have it so uh you know i decided i would do that as well and sometimes you know you wonder as a physical disc kind of person and you you look and you see it and you're like oh yeah do i have that Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I do have that. Oh oh shit, do I have that? Sometimes you get so much stuff you forget what you actually have, but I knew I didn't have that one. So uh now I do. So up next we will be talking once again with bassist Mike LePon. We've had Mike on the show a couple of different times. And most of you know Mike as the bass player for Symphony X, but uh he has also uh obviously has his solo stuff with uh Mike Lepond's Silent Assassin, and he's played with a whole bunch of other people as well. And he sneaks in cameos everywhere. He's even in one of uh, one of the videos off of uh, Veronica Freeman's solo album, you can see Mike Lepond in there. And so, as I said previously, when we were originally talking to Mike, which was back uh, at the tail end of March, the twenty uh, fifth anniversary Symphony X tour was still uh, still planned, still going on. But uh, then as of April 7th, they announced that uh, that tour was postponed until 2021. And if you want to keep up with any of that stuff with Symphony X, obviously easiest place to go is symphonyx.com. And I should just clarify a little bit on the dates because although all the early North American tour dates were canceled, as of right now, they're still adding dates for shows you know, in you know, in August and beyond. So the shows for Mexico and Brazil, in Chile, they're still they haven't been canceled yet. They're still scheduled. So uh, hopefully that will uh, continue to uh, to be the case, and at least some of you will be able to see the Symphony X twenty fifth anniversary tour this year. But right now, what do you say we switch over and listen to uh, Richie chat with Mike LePond of Symphony X. Hello,
3: is that Mike? Yes, hi. Hi, it's Richie from Focus on Metal.
0: Sure, how are you doing, man? I'm
3: okay. So I, I'm assuming you're at home like everybody else. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be on the road now, are you?
0: Um, I was supposed to be on the road April 1st uh, playing with Ross the Boss. and mm. uh, That was a European tour that uh, got postponed until further notice.
3: Okay. So you is you, you're you everybody's stuck at home all the musicians all the tours are being canceled or postponed. Yeah.
0: yeah, so the whole industry is in turmoil right now and uh you know we're just waiting to see when the coast is clear and then we'll all start going on tour again and I'm sure you know all the uh all the tours are going to be fighting to tour again when they can. <laughs> You know, I mean, the, there's only so many venues and all the bands are going to be out at one time trying to play again.
3: Mm, it, Mike, it's, it's, it's competitive as it is now with all the tours going out, but all the tours that are being postponed, they're all going to want to play as soon as they can. So I think when it, when it does all clear, there's going to be so many bands out there in a small <laughs> window trying to get their concerts in.
0: <laughs> that is the truth. So it's going to be like a battle because everyone's going to want to get right on the road as soon as possible. But, you know, probably, uh, you know, five bands were booked for the same venue and they all want to play. And uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, it's going to be some chaos going on. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a tough year for uh, the for uh, bands. Definitely one of the toughest uh, since I've been doing it.
3: Mm. I, I think as well, Mike, it's going to be tough for musicians if they're in multiple bands because the schedule, all this now, is going to be a nightmare because you're with Ross the Boss. You know, you might want to do shows with Dead Risen. You've got a Symphony X tour that's supposed to be coming up, I believe, in, in May sometime, beginning in May. And, um, that's right. it, that, it, you know, you're going to have to balance all that they're all going to be saying, what's your main band? Which one can you, your secondary band, which ones can you do and which ones can't you do?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, so the Ross the Boss tour is postponed. I'm, I'm guessing that the Symphony X tour will be postponed even though nothing is uh, official yet, but I'm mm. you know, looking yeah. ahead. So yeah, obviously I have to, uh, you know, I have to say to myself, okay, you know, what is the most important? So for me, I mean, Uh, When Symphony X wants a tour, then, you know, that is my number one priority, because that's where I make my most money. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, since you're at home, Mike, and I I ask all the guitar players this question up front in the beginning, um, how many guitars do you have in your house, bass guitars?
0: Hmm, that's a good question. I'm going to count in my head right now. Let's see. Let's see this... Two eight strings and there should be uh, three five strings. That makes uh, five. There's a there's a five string. That makes six. I believe I have six basses and one electric guitar that I use, you know, just for songwriting.
2: Hmm.
3: W- will you write now? once you're at home because like this is kind of forced on you that you can't go out and play on the road are you someone that has to get in a headspace to write or with circumstances the way they are now you can just write music
0: um, yeah i mean i can kind of clear my head and just uh write some music and uh you know when you're home like this it's actually the perfect time to do it you know some people maybe that you know they got a lot of they got a lot of you know what's going on on their mind and a lot of things going on so i can understand that but um for me personally i think if i uh i wanted to i could write very easily uh i'm honestly not writing right now because i just moved into a you know a new home mm-hmm. and you know so the timing is uh it's funny you know you move into a new home and then the money stops coming in from the tours <laughs> yeah so so uh but uh yeah i mean this would be a great time to write
4: mm mm-hmm. mm
3: so let's talk about a little bit about Dead Risen. Um, I got sent the record last week. It's a kick-ass metal album. Um, now, it's you, it's you and Rod Rivera are basic, basically started the whole thing. Was that something you spoke to Rod about when you were doing Pawn and Prophecy because he did the lead guitars on that?
0: Well, um, I actually have known Rod for a really long time. I, I met Rod in uh, 2007. And at the time, he had a band called Rivera Boma. Uh, and it was him and the singer, John Boma. And that was the name of the band. And um, I got to know Rod, and I was playing with those guys, and I actually uh, did a CD with those guys. Um, so Rod and I had a very good relationship uh, on and off the stage. And, um, you know, fast forward to 2014... 2014-ish, um, the singer John Boma decided he wanted to retire from the industry. But, you know, Rod and I wanted to uh, continue because we really liked playing together. So uh, what we did was, you know, we wanted to find uh, some musicians that were all from our general area so we could rehearse together as a band. And uh, you know, just continue pl- basically playing together. And um, And, uh, you know, Rod, I I love his guitar playing, so I also uh, invited him to uh, play some leads on some of my solo stuff. And uh, so that was fun, too. But, uh, yeah, then we put together a band. We got uh, a bunch of really good musicians and really good people, because after being around, you know, for so long, we wanted to make sure everybody had no, you know, ego problems and no nonsense. We just wanted... Something that you know everybody was friends, and it would be a whole labor of love thing.
3: Mm. Now, did you know the other three guys in the band before you before you you got them in?
0: Yes, I did. Um, you know, these were all guys that uh, I just had gotten to know uh, just from playing in the uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania uh, rock scene. So they were all in different bands. And um, so, you know, when Rod and I had decided to put together the band, I reached out to these guys. And, uh, you know, they were really excited to do it. And um, we knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, a thing that was going to happen really fast because, you know, everybody has their own families and they got their own things going on. So, you know, we rehearsed when we could sometimes we would rehearse and not everybody could be there because they had some prior commitment, but we, you know, we kept trying to get together at least some of us uh, once a week and we would, you know, work on some songs. We wouldn't kill ourselves, but just work on some songs and make some progress. And, uh, you know, basically it took about, it took about four years to get the songs written uh, and recorded and uh management in place and then finally uh the record deal with afm
3: mm-hmm. so are the ideas all written in the last four years you 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 guys have nothing from way back that you brought into this
0: um yeah i mean there was some stuff that uh there were some like riffs that we had from uh the rivera boma band that you know we liked and we, that were never used and we uh, brought them into this band, too. And we also, you know, we also wrote new stuff. The other guys brought a fresh perspective into the songs. And, you know, they had some ideas, too. And then we just basically put it, put it all together. You know, we kind of did everything together as a band. Usually, Rod would come up with uh, the basic ideas for the songs. And then I would help him uh, arrange the songs, and the other guys would uh, put their stamp on the songs. And then uh, finally, at some point, we decided that the song was done.
3: Mm. Mike, Mike, it's great to hear that that's the way you guys worked, writing the songs and doing the record, because I interview a ton of artists now, and they're all done over email and File yeah. sharing, and it, it's it's i think there's something to be said in you know being in the same room having that chemistry working it up getting the songs done that way
0: yeah you know i mean i think in the end you the creative process is much better because like uh you know like it i'll let's say i write a song i hear it the way i hear it and that's it you know um But if I'm working with somebody else, they'll hear it in a way that I would not have thought of. You know, they'll see it from a totally different perspective. And uh, in many instances, it opens my eyes to say, hey, yeah, you're right, we could do this with the song, and we could add this, and and, uh, it makes the creative process, I think, much better in the end. Um, Yeah, this, you know, doing stuff over the Internet, it's... uh, it's very sterile, you know, and it does, and there's really no room for growth. It's just it is what it is. They send you the song and that's it, you know. Um, so it's much more fun this way, too. You know, it makes you really feel like you're a unit, makes you really feel like you're a band and, uh, and, and even like a family.
3: Mm. So, Mike, did you and Rod sit down and discuss the sound and the direction the band was going in and then get the other guys in that would fit that? or did you guys just get together and write and it just came out naturally the sound of the band?
0: Yeah, I think we, uh, didn't go in with any, uh, specific goal, you know, I mean, we just wanted to continue what uh, Rivera Boma started, but we wanted to really expand on it, you know, so we wanted to get some really, uh, great musicians. And, um, the singer we got, his name is Will Shaw. And, um, Really amazing singer, and he really took the band to the next level with his style and uh, his, you know, his great singing ability. Mm. Um. So basically, we see ourselves as a band that, you know, a band that you would like to see live. I mean, that that was pretty much our goal from the beginning. To be a band with a lot of parts where there's a lot of just jamming going on, like the older bands used to do. You know, just lots of jamming and lots of cool parts. And, um, you know, that was our main goal. But really, that was it. We just kind of let it fly.
3: Mm. Have you done any live shows yet, Mike?
0: No, we haven't done any live shows just yet. We wanted to wait until the album was released. And um, we're waiting to see. Maybe we'll get some good offers, possibly uh, for a tour or something like that. So um, the album just came out. uh on March 13th. So uh, response has been great and we're really excited to see where it goes from here.
3: Mm. Now, the album covers a lot of gamuts of what I call traditional metal, and there's some modern elements in it as well, but I really do want to ask you about one song, uh, Reach for the Sun. That's got a very deep purple vibe to it. It's a little bit different to everything else on the record.
0: Yes. Rod Rivera and I, we just love Deep Purple. And, um, Rod had came up with the idea of doing that song. And, uh, you know, I just loved the idea, you know, just a real 1970s kind of ballad, maybe almost like kind of like child in time or something like that. So, um, once Rod, uh, showed me the idea immediately, I wanted to, uh, work on the song and finish it. And, um, you know, we love doing stuff like that. You know, Deep Purple, you know, like I said, there's a huge influence on all of us. And uh, it's great to be able to uh, put a song out that has such a homage to them and an influence from them.
3: Mm. And whose idea was it to cover For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica?
0: Well, that's a funny story, actually. Um, we wanted to do a cover on the album, you know? And, you know, everybody said, hey, let's try this, let's try this. And, we were kind of getting nowhere with it. Um, so Rod is a music teacher at a local school of rock. And he had just recently, you know, one of the students asked him to teach him for whom the bell tolls. So he just learned it and, uh, you know, taught him the song. So it was fresh in his head. So he just came to us and said, hey, you want to, you know, I just taught someone from who the bell tolls. Would you like to try it? So we <laughs> tried it. it felt good and uh so we just it was just one of those spontaneous things i mean um you know i you know would i have rather maybe done something else yeah probably but uh you know maybe on the next album we'll do something else yeah it was fun it was fun to do it was easy to do and we just uh it was just a spontaneous decision we made right on the spot
4: Mm.
3: mike what covers would you guys jam at rehearsals anyway.
0: Well, yeah, the band loves a lot of different kind of music. I mean, we all, I think the one band that we all love the most is uh, Rainbow with Dio in it. Uh, I think collectively everybody loves that the most. So um, we might jam on some stuff from that. Um, Rod likes many different things, and he likes everything from Testament to Dokken. So we might jam on a Dokken song. He might just start playing it. What did he play? The last time I was there, he played uh, Me Against the World from Lizzie Borden. So <laughs> we jammed on that.
4: Nice. Um,
0: so just, you know, just whatever comes out of our mind from our past, you know, or we just happen to hear something on the radio and we just start playing it for fun. So uh, we want to keep the uh, rehearsals fun and uh, and so far everything's, you know, it's just been, been that way. A lot of fun and a really friendly atmosphere.
3: Yeah, Mike, now, by putting the Metallica song on the record, uh, did you leave off anything that you wrote?
0: There were, we had a lot of songs that were close to finished, but maybe not completely finished. Um, And we just weren't sure, you know, what to put on, what to do. So, you know, I I think doing a cover kind of just solved that problem for the moment. I think, you know, but now the good news is we have, uh, you know, we have some material left over for a second record.
3: Mm. Mike, how involved were you in the lyrics on this? Because when I spoke to you about Prawn and Prophecy, the last song on it was like 20 odd minutes and it was all about Macbeth and that was something close to your heart that you'd always wanted to do. Did you take a step back on this and maybe let Will Will write the lyrics?
0: Absolutely. Um, yes, Will uh, wrote... All the lyrics and and all the vocal melodies. The um, the only thing he didn't write was one song called "The Maker," which uh, we redid from an old uh, Rivera Boma album. And um, and sometimes it's, there were some songs where Rod had like this melody in his head, and he didn't have words, just a melody. So Will would take that melody and put some words to it. So um, it was kind of cool. And you know what? I really liked not writing the lyrics. You know, I, I liked um, just waiting to see what someone else would put to the songs. You know, it was really exciting for me. And, uh, you know, it was great to step back because, you know, with the Silent Assassins, I do 100% of everything. So it makes it a lot of fun. It makes it a band effort. And, uh, you know, so each project I'm in, I kind of play a different role, which is uh, really fun, actually.
3: Mm, It kind of pushes it as a musician, too.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, every band has their own uh, dynamic. Every band has their own formula for doing things. So uh, it's it's cool to uh, take different roles in different things.
4: Mm.
3: Mike, before I leave you go, when you're at home, do you get out much and try and jam with other people. Now I'm not saying necessarily for a record, but just to get up on stage maybe and play live with guys.
0: Yeah. You know, in the, uh, I live here in uh, New Jersey. So um, I always want to support the local uh, rock and roll and metal scene. So I go see a lot of bands and a lot of these bands, you know, they know who I am and they say, Hey, you want to come up on stage and, you know, play a Queensryche song or, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to do it. And uh, everybody here on the scene, we all know each other. We're all friends. So, uh, you know, we jam with each other when we can, and uh, we support each other uh, as much as possible.
3: Mm, It seems to me that, especially that New York, New Jersey area, there's a lot of loyalty amongst musicians there, that you all know each other, you all move in the same circles.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's very true. You know, um, the New Jersey metal scene used to be really, really huge. And in recent years, you know, it's kind of dwindled down uh, for whatever reasons. And, uh, but, you know, the, uh, the bands are still out there, and uh, the musicians still are still out there, and the fans are still out there, and we're still supporting each other 100%.
3: Mm. so Mike before I leave you go uh do you want to give out all the the sites where people can get in touch with the band and, and buy the record
0: right well the uh the dead risen record uh should be available basically anywhere um you know a lot of uh a lot of people I know have been getting it from amazon lately um but you can get it you can get it everywhere it's all over Spotify if you want to listen to it um to contact the band uh the band does have uh, a fan Facebook page. The band does have a, an Instagram page, has its own YouTube channel. You know, just search them on uh, online and you should be able to find uh, Dead Risen very, very easily. And very easy, you can uh, find the record, buy the record, or download whatever you want to.
3: Mm. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. And um, hopefully, when you get up to the Boston area, you're supposed to be up here with Symphony X, I think, in a couple of months but, right. uh, in Worcester. Yeah. Um, hopefully I can get backstage and say hello to you.
0: Absolutely. Uh, just let me know and I'd uh, be, be happy to see you.
3: Yeah. All right, Michael. Well, have a good rest of the day.
0: Okay, talk soon. All right,
1: take you. care. Bye. All right, there you go. There is uh, another chat with bass player Mike LePond, And, you know, I'm surprised how many people actually haven't heard of Symphony X because they are definitely one of those just really killer bands out there. And, yeah, I know they're an East Coast band, and we always kind of support the East Coast acts, but, uh, yeah, they just are really good. And, uh, you know, for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with Symphony X, definitely go back and, uh, and check out some of their catalog. I think you really like it. I know that back, I think, maybe one or two interviews with Mike, We kind of describe Symphony X as uh, like it's like dream theater, but with uh, all balls all the time or something like that. And uh, it was kind of a pretty apt description, but definitely go back. And uh, if you haven't uh, checked out Symphony X, you really want to do that. But also any of the uh, silent assassin stuff that Mike has put out is also well worth your metal dollars in buying. And also, it obviously goes without saying, if you just listen to the uh, interview that we just did with Mike, be sure to go and check out the new music from uh, Mike's other band, Dead Risen. And also, just so you know, that's uh, dead and risen all together, one word. And your best place to get that, if you want to get your physical copies, is at the AFM web shop. And the direct link for that is going to be shop.afm-records.de slash... Dead Risen. So, also just to reiterate, you know, I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of the show, but, uh, you know, we do have some bonus content we've been putting out in response to uh, COVID 19 to try to keep people entertained while they're uh, staying at home. So, if, uh, you know, you want to hear that stuff, head to either one of our uh, two different iTunes channels, but you can also go to uh, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. And uh, just so you know, even up there every week is where you can get all the show notes for the show coming up this week. Also, you can go to our main website, which is FocusOnMetal.net. And up there, you'll see also uh, on the main page, you'll see most of the uh, recent bonus episodes. But then also there's an episodes tab out there where you can uh, download or stream any of the bonus content. Or in fact, a whole crap load of the content from uh, prior years, including uh The different projects we did on Little Mountain Sound and Dio Strange Highways and the, uh, the massive Kerrang! project. So all those project things are up there as well. And unlike when we did the first run of those and you were waiting weeks, sometimes months between episodes... You can now go up there and just listen to them one right after the other. We definitely get a lot of feedback from people that have been quarantined that say they're really enjoying and discovering those projects. They didn't hear the first time, and it's almost like binge-watching where they're just they're just binged listening to uh, project episodes of Focus on Metal, along with some of our classic producer interviews as well. Made sure those are up there. And then the last couple years' worth of shows are there as well. So feel free, go up to FocusOnMetal.net and binge away at all of that good stuff. So, thanks for listening. More great stuff on the way coming in May. We've got talks with Michael Alago. If you're not familiar with the name, that is the dude that signed Metallica to Electra Records. And he has a uh, biography that's out entitled, Fittingly, I Am Michael Alago. So, uh, Richie will be uh, chatting with him all about that. And while you're waiting in your quarantine, then uh, you can definitely go up to Netflix and check out the Michael Alago biopic that is up there called Who the Fuck Is That Guy? We'll also do a bit of a throwback episode with uh, Tony Cavazzo talking about the uh, anniversary of uh, Hurricane Slave to the Thrill. A really cool one that uh, Richie did with a legendary guitar player Mitch Perry. All kinds of stuff coming at you for May. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, stay safe and as always, Remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is
2: insignificant.
0: So here,
3: it's over. Go home.